So I get to talk about one of those topics that nobody wants to talk about. I swear that Pastor Martin left Edmonton and gave me this topic so he didn't have to talk about it. All right, leave it to the executive pastor to talk about God and money. But honestly, I want to talk to you as more of the pastor and not so much as the executive. Because the reality is, the Bible has a lot to say about money and how that actually interacts and impacts our life and our spirituality. And we're going to be touching on, we're going to be doing a smattering of verses and seeing the scope that the Bible has when it comes to this idea of money. And it isn't just about this temporal or this naturalistic thing, but there's money is connected both into our lives, into our soul, into the spiritual realm as well. And so I hope by the end of this, you'll have a bigger scope of what it means to think about what God is doing in your life in the midst of this church, in the midst of this city and the world as God's kingdom is moving forward and what our finances, what money has to do with that. But before we get into that, I actually want to spend a few minutes looking at some of the myths of what money is or the myths about giving. And so if we bring that slide up, I have five, I'm sure there are way more myths than this, but just to give you a bit of a taste of five myths that sometimes happens when people think about money. And the first is this, God just wants your money. When you think about, you see, you know, and, and to be fair, there's a bad rap when it comes to churches and money. Somebody's already got to the Pastor Martin one, they're already laughing. We'll get to that in a second. But, you know, you think about this, that God wants your money and, you know, the church is a bad rap of that and there's a certain extent that that's, you know, not unwarranted and all the televangelists and things like that and it's constantly like money, money, money. But the reality is God doesn't want your money. God doesn't need your money. See, everything that we have was already given to us by God. And so in this idea of giving or generosity or stewardship, all of these terms are really just a matter of us stewarding what God has given us. The second myth is this, if I give, I won't have enough. There's going to be a, a story at the end, a video at the end of this message, and I'll let him explain a little bit of this, but if you talk to anybody who takes one of these challenges or takes a step of faith in walking in this idea of generosity and giving, it, it, the math never makes sense, but in reality is that you actually have more with the 90% than you do the 100%. And it seems like that would never make sense, but there is this thing that happens both in the spiritual and the natural, that as you are giving and you are seeing and you're seeing the impact, you're more aware of your finances because you are taking a step of faith and you are walking in God's leading, that things begin to line up just in the wisdom side, but also in the supernatural side of the things that God brings into your life. The fourth, it all just goes to Pastor Martin. Now, this one seems like a funny one, but the reality is I've actually heard this. We actually had somebody who gave a testimony years ago about this that because they don't understand what actually happens when I give to Gateway, what actually happens with those finances. And the reality is, is that there's a mission to be had. There are people's lives being changed. This is why we have the tag that says, your generosity changes lives. And ultimately our purpose is to push those finances, the things, finances to the direction where we're seeing lives change. Do the staffing to be paid? Absolutely. That part of that mission is, is releasing some to be able to be able to be 100% focused on seeing God's mission inside of this church and equipping you as the saints to be able to do God's mission. And so there is a side of this on payroll, but ultimately it's not all about a figurehead or a person, but it's about God's mission. 
Next, when the money isn't used wisely, I can assure you that when we as a staff, we have the signal we look at and we have our budget and we have our faith goal and the things we want to see, but there's even things like our contingency of going, we need to be wise and going uh, and how we spend the money and where that goes and how that goes in, into ministry. And more often than not, people hold back their money because they're unsure how it's going to be spent. There's this control issue instead of trusting God in faith that as you give, that that money is going towards seeing lives change. This is, this is the main reason, but this is one of these things that when you see stories being shared and lives being changed and impacts and testimonies and baptisms and all of these things that a big part of the fuel in that and being able to that happen is finances. And there is no personal benefit to me. And this one I want to unpack a little bit. I don't want to go to any of this, but understanding that, that when you take this step of faith, when you actually open up your hands into the different areas of your life, it, it doesn't even have to be finances, but if you look at any area of your life and your faith walk with God, when you open up to God's leading for you, there is an impact in your life. When you step out in faith, when you open up, when you stretch yourself out of your comfort zone, God always shows up and moves in your life. So like I said, the Bible has a lot to say about money, giving, and how it impacts lives. So let's look at some of these verses. So the first three that we're going to look at go together, and the second three kind of go together. But let's just put up the first verse. And this is what... Paul says, it says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what Paul's saying is here is that so often what happens when we look at some of these myths, and like I said, some of these myths, you know, like with the church, aren't unwarranted because there's a lot of guilt and manipulation and those type of things. I hope if you've been attending this church long enough that you know that we're not trying to guilt you into giving money, but that part of this goal is twofold. Is one is about generosity, It's about my finances as I give, and I give into this church financially, that I trust God in that is because of my generosity will see lives change. That there is an actual connection between your giving and the impact in lives, in your own life and the lives around you and the lives of the city and this nation because of your generosity. But the other side of the coin is your stewardship. It's this idea of trusting with God in this relationship and knowing that in this relationship— And as I'm trusting him into walking in faith in my giving, then I will also grow in that. And so, um, and we'll get into that later down this, but this big part about what Paul's saying here is, it's not about guilt, it's not about compulsion, it's not about so much the numbers, but it's about what God is doing in your life and out of the, the outflow, the spring of your heart, the spring of your joy, your generosity, that is where you give. It's also in the spring of your walk with God. That it's that, in that communication. It's not about, I'm not going to stand up here and say, well, this is the number you should use. Now, there are, if you're wondering, for a lot of people, they do the 10% because that's an easy number for them. But reality is, is more often than not, is this, is that you have a line right here. This is where I feel comfortable. This is where I feel comfortable in giving. But if I really want to grow, I need to stretch myself and be a go outside of my comfort zone. For some of you, that might be $20, and for some of you, that might even be breaching the 10% into the 12 and the 14. Every single time that I feel passionate about this topic, or I'm having a conversation, or I feel like we need to grow as a church area, or I do a talk, God's like, okay, Drake, if you're going to be challenging me in this, then let's take stock of your heart. 
Are you giving, you know, out of the heart? Are you giving out of compulsion? Are you giving cheerfully? Are you stretching yourself? Have you become comfortable where you're doing? If we're going to be challenging the church, then I want to challenge you to take a next step. Let's look at the next verse. It's actually out of First Chronicles. He says this, but who am I and who are we, my people, that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. So similar to what I said that, you know, that God just wants our money, in the reality, everything that we have comes from God, and we are good stewards of those finances that what God gives us. And so we need to take stock in our lives of all the blessings that we have See, in a country like Canada, it's really hard to be a person who can say that they don't have. More often than not, and there are exceptions to this rule, of course. And if you're sitting here and you're on hard times, again, this isn't me trying to guilt you. But take stock in your own heart. If you feel convicted through any part of this message, it isn't me, it's probably the Holy Spirit, okay? We'll just get that out of the way for a second. But the reality is, is that as, as God has been blessing us, or blesses you, that what you're doing is that you're actually stewarding the blessing that God has given you, and you're asking God, how do you see me best managing my finances? Right? How do you see me looking at all the things you've given me, this gift? How can I manage and steward these things in a way that honors you? Because you've given me so much, not just in finances, not just in material things, but in the joy and the hope and the salvation and love that you've given me, how do I steward these things? How do I walk out my life? All the things that you've given me, how do we do these things? And so we have no excuse in knowing that all the blessings that we have, that the author of First Chronicles in this verse specifically, everything comes from God. And everything that we begin only comes from his hand. And so it's not that God is demanding or needing. If anything, he's using us as a vessel for blessing. Pastor Martin spoke about this uh, a few months ago, that every blessing that God wants to give to somebody else goes through his people. And so if we choose to hold back out of fear, out of compulsion, out of whatever it is, we're actually limiting what God might be able to do through us as individuals and as a church. The next verse is this, coming out of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. What's interesting, first fruits is this this crazy term, and I don't want to get into this, but if you want to learn more about this, if you go to the Bible Project, we've got a podcast right now, they're going through the tree of life, but there's this imagery of humans and trees, and there's this idea of fruits, and then we can create fruit out of our things that we have seed that we can reproduce ourselves and the blessings that God has given us just like trees can. And so this idea of fruits is that trees can either bear fruits or not bear fruits. And so to honor the Lord with our wealth, with everything that God has given us, we must give our first fruits, our best, that first fruits that we want to see an impact, we want to see blessing of other things, that we become the conduit of that, but also that it's the first. And so there's this term... Um, in, in some churches use this, they put it in this order. It's give, save, spend. That even if you're the person who does give, who does give to God, that it's so often than not, it's usually whatever our leftovers are. And if we put it in this order, that we go our first fruits, we go God out of a blessing or out of a, a worship. See, giving is a worship, is an act of worship to you 
I'm going to set aside this and trust that the other amount that I have left, that you are going to take care of those details. Now, again, this takes wisdom. I'm not talking about just like, I'm going to give up 100% and then God's just going to put a check in the mail. Like, don't hear me say that. Okay? Now, if, if you honestly believe that God is doing that, you need to get some confirm, you know, confirmation, those type of things. But what is God telling you to do? What is God prompting you to do? What is God leading you to do in those things? And then trust him in that. In the first fruits that you give, then you save, then you spend. Let's jump to the next verse in Proverbs 18, verse 16. A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. Talking about God. That giving, giving is one of those things that's really interesting. There's so many other areas in our spiritual walk that we can understand how this connects to our relationship with God. But because as a church we are so scared to talk about finances and all that the Bible has to say about money, we, we lose this like, um, we lose this open door to a whole other aspect of our spiritual walk with God. Because the reality is, is that if you really want to grow in your faith, you give because that puts your money where your mouth is. That is a tangible, real thing in your life that you're actually able to see, like you, you can actually feel the sacrifice, feel the step of faith, right? A lot of other spiritual things, be it reading your Bible, prayer, walking out, sharing your faith, those things are much more subjective, Right? But finances is very objective, very concrete. And so you can actually feel the anxiety of taking those steps. I remember growing in this as a young adult and going to college and trusting God. And over and over, I knew God was saying to me, I've got this, trust me. And over and over, it took me so much times to be able to like not trust God and seeing him deliver that I finally realized I can trust God. But then the more that I trusted him, the more that he actually expanded my faith in other areas of my life, but also expanded the capacity of my territory to be able to take on more and more responsibility, more opportunities. And so then your scope grows because he goes, you know, if I can trust you with this little, if I can trust you to give a little, to trust me in your finances, then I can give give you more responsibility in different areas, be it finances or work or in your family or in the capacity in your community, in the areas of your church and responsibility and growth and the things that I give you. Because if I can trust you with the finances I give you, I can trust you with so much more because this is something that really pinches. And so when we give as giving back to God— everything that he's given to us, it ushers and opens up into the presence of a deeper relationship with God. And when in that intimacy with God also opens up other opportunities. And not just other opportunities, I do really want to stress that, that this giving isn't just primarily about what I can get back. There is breakthrough, there is, you know, as there's the sowing and the reaping idea, but ultimately, our ultimate goal in everything that we do in our spiritual walk, but also especially in this, is it opens up a deeper relationship with God. Because you know what? What happens is, is that you have to rely on him. That you're trusting him with something very tangible. And that almost breaks a lot of the glass ceilings that you might be feeling and going, all right, God, I want that deeper relationship. Well, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to get into the middle of what you're doing, what you're asking me to do. I'm going to trust you in this. Well, that opens up the heavens to whole new possibilities and connections with God. Look what Luke says in chapter 6, verse 38. He says, give and it will be given to you. 
a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this isn't just about finances, but just like I said, every other spiritual discipline, this acquires to that as well. As you, the same measure that you trust God with the things of your life, he will, in measure, give back. What I just said, if I can trust you with little, I can trust you with much. If you talk to any person in their spiritual journey, actually, let's, just, let's take the spirituality out for a second. Let's just take naturalistic understandings of anything, okay? If you have an employer or you're running a business, you're taking a risk, you're learning a new skill, whatever it is, as you take risks and you grow and you can be trusted with something, with that little, then you will be able to expand on something that is greater. That, that could be inside of a ministry team, that can be inside of your family, that can be friendships, that can be work, whatever that is. As you build credibility, as you build trust, as you build your talents, as you build in wisdom, as you build in your skills, in any area of your life, you grow that capacity. Now, when you apply that to the spiritual realm that we are connected to, it compounds. Because the natural things in our life also affect the spiritual, and the spiritual affects the natural. There is this thing that happens. So as we are trusted, or as we can be trusted with little, as we open up to God's leading, as we take risks, as we take steps of faith, then God in turn can go, you know, my servant over here, I was able to trust him with this. I'm going to be able to give him more and more and more. And this is just like anything else. And again, this isn't one of those things where it's like, you know, um, like I said, if like, oh, I'm, you know, if, if by measure that if I give little, I'll be given little. So let me just give lots and I'll give lots. More often than not, it's a gradual thing. All right? You take a step of faith, God expands your horizons. You take another step of faith, God expands your horizons. You take a step of faith, but if you want to actually grow to a capacity where you're hoping in your life, if you never start walking that faith, or if you're waiting for God to open a door without you stepping in faith, it will never happen. And so you need to actually start taking small steps so that you can be leading into bigger steps in your life. But you need to actually do a step of faith to do that. And the last verse is this, out of these, the smattering is again back into Proverbs chapter 11, verse 15. See, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. See, the first one, the thing that we just looked at about measuring things and being trusted, that was stewardship. That is what God's giving you. I want you to steward what I, the gifts that I have given you. This, this is generosity. This is about as I give in my prosperity, as I give in my blessing— and I see others who are blessed and refreshed, I in turn also will be blessed and refreshed. So the reality is when we look at this, this topic of giving, there's two different things that come out of that. There is generosity, the things that we give, that we give away, the things that we are blessing of others, the things that have no strings attached. We want to see lives change. This is why we say generosity changes lives. But there's also the side of stewardship. Being a good steward, a good manager, a good accountant of the things that God has given us. And if you also want to grow in the other areas of your life, start with your finances, because that is something that is tangible. That is something that you can see and touch and feel 
It becomes something concrete. And as you're growing in those spiritual principles and your finances, you'll start learning the different things and how that can expand in other areas. And also you'll see how those open up other doors in expanding that. But all of these verses really boil down to this. And this is where I want us to kind of like settle a little bit. Is in Romans 12. It all boils down to this verse. It says this. Let me read it all out for you. So here's what I want you to do. I'm actually going to stop and say some things. But here's what I want you to do. God helping you. God helping you. God directing you. Not out of compulsion. Not out of guilt. Not out of some, you know, well, I saw somebody else and they did this. So that means it applies to my life. Let me just say this. Never ever apply or subscribe somebody else's story to your life. Start with a relationship with God. Start with intimacy with him. Allow him to lead you to where he wants you to go. And so God helping you, God leading you, God directing you. Because here's the thing, if you hear somebody else's story, or if I get up and say, I think you should do this, and you do it, there is less likely that's going to work out because God isn't the one that leads you. But if you know that God has asked you to do something, you can be assured that God is going to show up because he is the one who is telling you to do it. So God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. Look at this. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life. The mundane, the everyday. See, Paul is doing that because he was like, we have this dichotomy. This is happening so much more in the early church than we do now, but there's a spiritual and the physical. That there was a sect of people, Martin talks about them, the Gnostics. That the spiritual is good and the physical was evil. And so Paul is saying here, look, in everything you do, even when you're sleeping, even when you're sleeping, how do you honor God and when you're sleeping? You've got to figure that out. But Paul, <laughs> Paul is saying, and even the most mundane things and the most concrete things, and we do this, that we're like, well, my finances is my life, and then God is over here. But Paul says, look at this, by sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. See, our life in God, our spiritual walk, is not that we're trying to gain something from him. Not that we do these things so something can happen, but God has already given us everything, so our life becomes, the, the NIV uses a living sacrifice. That's what they says. And it says an offering. In the NIV it says a living sacrifice. Not dead, but it's a sacrifice of our lives. That our lives become a thank you letter to God for everything that he has given us. And so because of everything, all the blessings, all the love, everything that God has done in our lives, in our church, in our midst, we in turn can respond to that and take an audit and stock of our whole life and say, all right, God, it's all yours. What do you want out of this? I give it all to you. I'm a living sacrifice my whole life, even the sleeping and eating. I give it to you. It's all yours. What do you want me to do? I'm your servant. I'm your example. Open doors. Show me the way. Lead me in doing that. If you're somebody that's been wondering, why doesn't God show up and speak to me and show me what I'm supposed to do, but you're still doing this with a death grip on all the details of your life and you're not open up enough for God to do something, maybe ask yourself that that might be it. See, embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. That's what Paul says. Embracing that, embracing his lead, embracing what it is. He continues, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't look at the wisdom of the world and what they say about their life and your finances. 
They'll become so well adjusted, just look like that. There's like, why would you ever give that much away to, to something that doesn't, you know, specifically in that moment benefit you? Because you have a bigger scope of the world and what God is doing. Don't become so well adjusted. But Paul says, instead, fix your attention on God. Fix your attention on God. Think about it like this. You're walking through a junkyard. And Jesus, as you're walking through the thing, Jesus is at the end. And as you're walking, you keep your gaze on him. It can be easy to look around at all the mess and everything else, all the distractions, the whirlwind. But as you walk, instead of being distracted by the things, you keep your gaze on him. Keep your attention on God. That intimacy starts with that relationship. What is he telling you? And this is what Paul says. If you do that, you'll be changed from the inside out. Generosity changes lives. Because here's the thing. When we look at that thing, we think our generosity as we give will change other people's lives. But there's a second side to that. That our generosity, as we take this step, we will, we, our lives will be changed. We will be transformed from the inside out. See, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it as he's leading. Take that step of faith, move forward. See, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, the things that the, the wisdom that they bring, the things that you need to hold on to, and you're scared to just keep everything to yourself, that you need to protect yourself. You need to, you can't trust other people. They're always gonna hurt you. You can't, this, this God thing, I don't know what that looks like. No, 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 no. Countercultural. See, when you take these steps of faith and you're doing these things, people are going to look at you and go, you're crazy. Why would you ever do that? See, when I started taking this step of faith and I started giving and I started giving, you know, generously, I started getting audited by the CRA because they're like, there is no way that this student is giving this much money away. And I got audited, I think, seven years in a row because they're just like, you're way too generous. There's, there's something shady here. So let me just warn you in that right now. When you start taking the step of faith, you will start getting audited by the CRA. And this is why us as a church, that we give you a tax receipt so that you can go, no, 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 no. There's a bigger kingdom here. CRA, you can go stuff it. Give me my tax return. If you don't realize that, that one of those personal benefits of giving is that you can actually write it against your taxes. Anything over $200, $200, right? Basically is about, give or take, depending on your economical things and what province you're in, is about 50% back. Who would you rather have that money? The church or the government? Right? Like, that's just a no-brainer, guys. If you're thinking government, I think you're in the wrong church and you might be on the wrong mission. But the reality is, is that, you know, think about that. So if you're like, man, I think I could give $100 this year. Give 200 because you're going to get 100 back. If you think you can give 500, give 1,000. If you think you can give 1,000, 2,000, you get the idea. Play the system. Be wise. Be shrewd as stake and innocent as doves, Jesus says. But unlike the culture around you, always trying to drag you down to its level of maturity, God brings the best out in you, develops well-formed maturity in you because as he asks you to do this, he's able to work with it. Because here's the thing. If you know anything about like pottery making, it's, an, it's something that doesn't get done very often anymore. If you have the, the privilege of seeing anybody work on that, there is different types of clay, the things that are moldable and things that are not. And clay that is unmoldable 
gets thrown away because it's not, they're not able to work with it and make the, 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 the shape that they want. So my challenge for you is be moldable, that God can work because you are malleable, you're open, you're soft to God's leading, that he can turn you into the beautiful vase that he wishes for you to be. So when it comes to giving, we generally fall into four different stages of growth. So here, here's a very just uh, bare minimum understanding of the different stages of most people in their giving so that you can kind of understand and thinking, well, where am I? What, is, what does a generous giver actually look like? So you've got the tipper, the renter, the owner, the investor. I hope these things kind of look pretty self-explanatory, but let me run through them. The tipper is somebody who periodically, in the moment, thinks, I'm going to give because there was a call to action. In this moment, I feel like giving. Now, that has generosity to it because you didn't give before, and so in that moment, you're to give. That could be a vision offering. That could be, you know, like, so the only time you ever give is in, on Vision Sunday, or maybe it's on a, you know, very periodically, like, once or two or three times a year that you're giving. This is tipping, and, and you know what? If you're in the service industry, the service industry needs tips, right? So they appreciate those tips, so first and foremost, I want to be very clear that any part of this stage and where you are, I'm not looking to guilt you because if you're on one and not four, you're this horrible person. That's not what we're saying at all. But I just want you to take stock of where you're at, that there are, you may not even realize that there are people that are in different stages than you think. So as a tipper, you're very sporadic. You give in the moment. You give out of compulsion. You give in, in those type of things because you feel like, yeah, I'm going to give this time, but there isn't this consistency. There isn't this rhythm. There isn't this discipline in that giving. Now, I want to first and foremost thank you for that because you are giving. You are taking steps of faith. You're taking baby steps. But maybe as a tipper, you might want to think about this idea of the renter. Now, the renter is somebody who is taking that step, just like thinking about the owner. They are somebody who says, I have planted my roots deep here at Gateway, and I'm saying this is my church home, but I haven't yet made it as an owner. I'm not an owner of this. I don't take that financial responsibility, but I do want to be a part of what's going on. And so what they do is they take a step. They say, I'm going to start giving consistently. Every week or every month, whatever that is, that they are going to start giving consistently towards the mission of Gateway. And, and you know, this is this crazy thing with, in the 21st century that unlike any other spiritual discipline, Bible reading or prayer, you, don't, you, you can actually set up reoccurring givings through our app or online or even through e-transfer, and it just does it automatically. Like, wouldn't it be great if you could just set this automatic prayer, automatic Bible reading, <laughs> never have to worry about it again, you just know... So as a renter, you're doing something where you're saying, I'm going to take that step, and instead of whenever I remember or in that moment I'm going to tip, I'm going to start sitting down and saying, every week or every month, this is what I'm going to give. It has intentionality to it. You have to think about it. There's a risk to that. But for some, maybe you're at that renter stage, and God is calling you to be an owner. Well, an owner is somebody who says, you know what? Not only am I going to give towards the mission, and I'm a part of this church, but I'm going to give in a way that I own the responsibility of that. And so more often than not, I would put this thing in the, the, the like I said, for some people, the number of 10% is helpful. And so they, that gives them something sacrificial. Now, I'm not being religious about that. I had somebody, when we did a challenge like this, a 10% challenge, they, they did a 1% challenge and a 10% challenge. They calculated the 1%. They're like, that's a joke. Like, Literally, like, do 1% of your entire annual income and then look at that. And then they did, they were a single parent, so they did 10%. They're like, okay, well, 
I don't know if I can go from zero to ten. They settled on five. And there were moments and points where God had been leading that single parent to continue to give sacrificially, but they didn't have the finance, but they trusted God. And they gave that money out of trust of God that God would take care of them and over and over and over again. Things just like people coming up and go, God told me that you need this money for sneakers for your kid, which is exactly what they needed the money for. But God had been saying, trust me in this. I know you need this money for sneakers. I've got your back. Give it towards anyway. Trust me in what I'm doing. I will take care of you. Now remember, don't ascribe their story to yours. Let God speak to you into that. But moving from renter to owner is that you're starting to look at this church, its mission as something you own, that you're driving into, that you're not just taking, you know, residence as a renter, but you own this. And when you go from a renting a house to owning a house, you start viewing things a lot differently. Your finances change a lot more. How you save and how you give and how you invest changes drastically. So from renter to owner is consistent giving towards some sacrificial giving, moving to that line of that 10%. And again, that's just a general rule. And the last one is this, is the investor. Maybe you don't realize there are some people that give over 10%. They're not just looking at owning the mission at Gateway, but they're saying as, an, as a, just like somebody that would put money into something like a mutual fund or a high risk, you know, like investment, they're saying, I want to take my finances out of the, the flow of my abundance and I'm going to invest into what God is doing because of the impact that it's going to have. Now, if you are at zero, I'm not asking you to jump to a four. I'm not even asking you to do anything specifically. All I'm asking you to do is ask God, where am I and where are you challenging me to go? So maybe this all sounds great in theory, but what if I told you this could be the breakthrough in your faith and life you are looking for and that it actually impacts real stories? I could sit up here and tell story after story after story after story of people who've taken this challenge. Because, you know, there was, I don't know, six months ago, we did this, a challenge like this, a generosity challenge. And we actually had about, I think, uh, it was about 64 people who took this challenge. And we actually saw our finances stable out and grow because of it. And so before I go anywhere else, for all those people, and all the people who give generously or just give it all, can I just say thank you? Thank you for taking that challenge. Thank you for moving as an owner and a driver in this church. Because without you guys, none of this would ever happen. That's the stewardship side, but also on the side of generosity, on the side of our lives and how that impacts us. I could tell you story after story, talking with those people who took that challenge, how it impacted and changed their life. You know, stories of people that are taking risks and God came in miraculous ways, how they started seeing, you know, people in a different way, how they started seeing their finance, how they grew, how they became more wise with their finances, how it opened up whole new possibilities in their faith and their life, that doors were open that they never would have seen before unless they took that risk. But instead of me sharing any of those stories, I want to show you a video of somebody's story that I think is going to drive us home what we're going to do. And then when we get back, I want to challenge you guys to take a step of faith if you feel that God is leading you. So let's watch that video. So there was a point in my life about 10 or 11 years ago where I was struggling with a lot of different things. And one of those things was my finances. I was 
probably pretty close to getting kicked out of my house. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money. And I really didn't know what I was going to do. Um, there was an evening where I had kind of cobbled together a little bit of change, seven, eight, nine dollars. And I walked down to the local 7-Eleven to just get myself something to eat. I didn't really know what I was going to get. I just knew that whatever I got, it was probably going to have to last me. So as I was leaving the store, there was a gentleman sitting outside on the curb and he asked me for some spare change. And I had a few dollars left over from whatever it was I got. And my first thought wasn't, well, I'm poor. I can't help this guy. You know, it was the opposite. Uh, my first thought was, I can definitely help this guy out. And I reached into my pocket. I gave him my last nickel, literally. I gave him everything I had. And I walked home and I just, I felt good about it. I knew that it was, it was the right thing to do. You know, I ate, I went to bed. I woke up the next day and I got called and, and I got a job. And I knew right then and there that God was taking care of me and that by answering his call the night before and by trusting him, he took care of me the next day. So because of that experience, I learned that I needed to trust God with everything in my life. And that's what I've started to do. And I wasn't really good at it right away, 10 years ago. And there's probably times that I can still even be better at it today. But the key thing that I took away from that experience was God is going to take care of me. God is going to take care of my family. Over the years, a lot of things have changed. I've gotten married, I've had children, I've gone from working for others to working for myself. And through all of it, we've just trusted God with everything in our lives from whether it was the right time to start our business to whether it was the right time to grow our business and everything in between. And not once has God ever disappointed us. We've We've always felt that it was important to give back into God's kingdom. And there's a couple different ways that we do that. And one of those ways is here at Gateway. Um, but also, you know, we, we support sponsored children and we, we do have a heart for that and feel like it's very important. And I can tell you that even in the tightest months financially, it has never in a million years been a burden to make those payments you know, for those sponsor children or to give a tithe here at church. And any every time that we've gone out on a limb and just made sure that we continued to do that, even though it was maybe a little bit uncomfortable for us to do it, every single time without fail, God has taken care of us. And He has made sure that there has been over and above what we would ever need. Every time we've asked for provision for our business, we've gotten it tenfold. And I really do believe that the reason that we have these blessings is because we've been obedient to His call to give back into His kingdom. I would say to anybody who is skeptical or hesitant to open up their wallet and give into God's kingdom, I would say to you that you really do need to try it. 
If you start doing this and if you make this a part of your regular routine, I promise you that you're never ever gonna feel like it's a chore or a burden. In fact, you're gonna feel the opposite. You're gonna, you're gonna feel blessed and you're gonna feel happy that you have the opportunity to give back into God's kingdom. And it is gonna change your life. So here's what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to stand up. We're gonna close a little bit differently than we usually do. We're not gonna be closing with a worship song, but we're gonna be closing with an act of worship inside of our finances. So as we close, I'm going to be praying for you guys. You guys, if you regularly do, you're going to be giving out those doors to the ushers that go out there. But maybe God has pressed onto your heart that you need to move from one of these steps to another. That there is actually a card in the front seat pocket behind everything that says, Breakthrough Giving Challenge. And there's two options in there. There's a, there's a giving challenge and there's a tithe challenge. If you're somebody who's thinking, you know, in the first two that I have never started giving and I don't know what this looks like, but I want to take a risk and I want to give. I'm not 100% sure what this is going to look like. I don't have a plan yet. I'm not, I don't know, but I just know I need to start doing something. Or if you're somebody who has given sporadically, but you want to start giving regularly, then you're just going to check off that giving challenge. And then the other one is for tithe. That just means that you're going to go, I'm going to stretch myself. That'd be 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever the percent is. But you want to start being an owner or an investor, you're going to check that off. And the reason why we're asking you to fill out these cards and put your name and stuff isn't so that we can check up on you or dictate what's going on because we actually have some, we want to start sending you some emails of encouragement and continued teaching because when you take this step, the enemy is going to want to knock you down. He's going to want to say that, you know, that you're not going to see these things, but God wants to show up and you need to take that step. So if you do, grab one of those cards, just fill it out, drop it off in the uh, offering bucket as you go out, or if you didn't fill it out, you can bring it to the info desk or there's a black box by the office. But let me just pray for you guys, and let's just pray for what God is doing in this church. You know what, and if you're somebody that just is going to take that challenge and you want to be prayed for specifically, as everybody's eyes are closed, you grab that card and you can put it up right now, and I want to pray for you specifically as well. Lord God, I just ask for your blessing and your breakthrough and your confidence and your courage and faith to grow in people's lives because your mission is growing here in this church and we all have an opportunity as well in this step to grow in our faith in learning about and taking steps of faith and generosity and steps of faith of stewardship so as people take this step this step of taking this giving challenge of taking this generosity challenge that you would just bless them to give them the eyes to see wisdom and how to move forward, but also breakthroughs in their life and their faith and their family and things that they're praying for, but more so than anything that would open up the heavens in a relationship with you. We also pray for those who continue and regularly and confidently give and give into your church and take these steps that you would continue to bless them. You continue to show them. You continue to expand their borders. But more so than not, God, that you would be moving in this place. That as we as people, that we would be living our lives as a living sacrifice and offering a sacrifice to you. That our lives would come in alignment with what you are doing. That the spiritual and the natural and all of these things would just come into purpose in what you're doing. And so we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said...
Amen. You guys are dismissed. Giving this act of worship. We'll see you.